Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and changemaker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. The month of November always makes me think about the concept of gratitude. Thanksgiving is on the horizon, one of my favorite holidays, because all Americans from coast to coast are celebrating what this country stands for, freedom, welcome, and a place you can call home, even as you continue to celebrate your own traditions, culture, and ancestry. Across the country on Thanksgiving, people are celebrating their own version of gratefulness, perhaps with the roast turkey or perhaps with special dishes that are favorites from their own heritage. And it is all distinctly American. I am grateful to have the freedom to speak my mind and celebrate my traditions. I am grateful to celebrate my own Jewish heritage as my ancestors have done for thousands of years. At the same time, every single day, I meet people who are passionate about their own culture and their own beliefs, and we live side by side in a place affectionately known as a melting pot where we are all American and we are all distinct. On this special episode of the Make Meaning Podcast, I'd like to explore the idea of gratitude. How and when are we grateful? Do we express gratitude to others? Do we have gratitude in the simplest moments or only at the big milestones? In this two-part episode, we'll speak with Nadal Alhayek, a Syrian refugee who is now an American citizen, living the American dream in ways that some native-born citizens might never imagine. We'll hear how Nadal is grateful for the freedom to raise his family in a society that welcomes him, where hard work continues to pay off. We'll also speak with Christy Nelson from the Network of Grateful Living and learn how to cultivate gratitude and let it guide all the days of our lives. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you feel a little more grateful for the gifts in your life after hearing these two inspiring interviews. Christy Nelson has done a lot of things in her career. She started a values-based consulting coaching company. She was founding director of the Soul of Money Institute. She's been director of development at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health and served in a similar role for the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society. Today, Christy Nelson is executive director at a network for grateful living. She's a graduate of University of Massachusetts Amherst, and she has graduate degrees and certificates from Boston College and Harvard University. Christy lives in Western Massachusetts with her family, and I'm thrilled to welcome her to the Make Meaning podcast. Christy, welcome to our show. I'm so happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure, especially as we're in the month of gratitude and we think about giving thanks for you know all the good fortune in our lives. Um, it's interesting that you're in the business of gratitude. And so I'd love to start by asking you to tell us about a network for grateful living. Mm, we are in the business of gratitude. That's a, a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> we're we're big believers in the power of being grateful and its importance. And uh, the organization was founded uh, by a Benedictine monk, uh, Brother David Steindelrast, uh, in the year 2000. And a network for grateful living was born as a way to support people with what we call an online sanctuary and uh, a source of inspiration and comfort and, uh, you know, 
emboldening our ability and our efforts in our day-to-day lives to be grateful for what we have. Mm -hmm. We realize that we really need that in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so a network for grateful living really exists to help people experience that sense of privilege that comes when we realize how grateful we are and Mm -hmm. what we, when we realize what we have and gifts of our lives and also the sense of personal and social responsibility that go along with that. What does that mean Mm -hmm. to really have the gifts of a life and to be aware of the gifts of your life? How do we then leverage those in the world in a way and make use of those in our lives so that we keep that ripple going. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's really the power of gratitude. It's interesting. I know you said in your pre-interview that um, it's not about whether the glass is half full or half empty, but about having a glass at all. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. That really stopped me. And I was thinking about, you know, cause I say half full, half empty all the time, especially with my kids. Like, let's look at it as half full, but I never <laughs> took a step back to say it's about having the glass. You know, and that's really powerful. I mean, thank ha- you. Tell me about that perspective. Well, um, it's a perspective earned by I think a lot of people. Whenever you get a wake up call in life, mm-hmm. um, I call the the awareness of the the glass itself mm-hmm. as our gift, as really the awakening to. Oh my gosh, you know, it's not whether it's not how much I have. And it's the recognition that basically in all of our lives, there mm-hmm. are moments where there are trickles and there are moments when there's um, great plenty and, mm-hmm. and there's moments when we feel dry and times when we feel really full in our lives. And that's just the state of life. Yeah. It's going to be that way. It's ever changing. Mm-hmm. And we lose sight of the fact that it's not about whether you have an optimistic or a pessimistic attitude or you're having a bad day or a good day. Mm-hmm. It's being alive at all and yeah. the gift of the gift of life yeah. that is the gift that makes all other things possible and so the wake up calls a lot of people who are in touch with those most acutely i'm a stage 4 cancer survivor yeah i was um, going to introduce that next that that's was your wake up call wasn't that about 25 years ago big, yes it was a very <laughs> it was a very significant one in my early 30s wow and and yet People have wake-up calls all the time. You know, it's one of the things that I've realized in this work and the more people I meet and the more I talk about what I do and what I stand for in my life is that recognition of the fact that in every moment it could be otherwise. We could not be here, right? Right, right. And that that awakening, that awareness comes in so many ways in people's lives when you almost have an accident, you know, and yeah. you and your car, you're sitting at the side of the road and your heart is in your throat and you're all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, the people I love and yeah, you know, yeah. what matters to me and I am I living that and I want to get home and hug everybody I love. And so I think it's those are the moments that wake us up. It's interesting too, because I, I've said to my kids before, um, you know, if I, if I have an argument with my daughter or, or something, somebody's aggravated about something and it's like, you just don't know if you're going to have it tomorrow. And mm-hmm. the chances are good that you do, but you know, um, you don't know. And so I think I it's hard. That. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, I think it's really hard to grasp the younger you are, this idea of living as if it's your last moment or your last day. Um, I think the older you get, the more you see that. Or again, if you have that awakening moment or a crisis where you say, wow, like I need to cherish everything. Um, but I think it's hard what, you know, I remember being in my teens and my twenties and, and thinking like, you know, I was immortal, life goes on. And so right. I can just sort of, and I didn't think of it this way, but almost waste those moments, you know, 
know, just sort of like, mm-hmm. there's going to be more. Um, how do I you... Think in- it takes, yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, you can ask me the question, but I was just going to say, I think it takes great courage. So I want to commend your parenting. Because oh, I think, <laughs> thanks. So, I don't so know. leave an opening for that, which is, you know, to say, I think it takes great courage and foresight on the part of all of us to remind each other that it could be otherwise, it could be worse off, you know, like there, there might not be an opportunity to live out the possibilities that we imagine for ourselves in our lives. And that keeping what, what brother David calls or the Benedictines call keeping death before our eyes mm-hmm. or what the Buddhists call impermanence, embracing mm-hmm. impermanence, Right. that that is such a quality of life enhancer. And yet we resist it all the time. Yeah. So yeah. of course it makes sense that kids resist that because they're in their own, they have to be in that place where the world, you know, on some level, the world is unfurling itself before them and they want to encounter and experience that sense of possibility and all things are possible. Yeah. But I, w- I will say, Lynn, right now, I think in the world, a lot of young people are actually not feeling that really as much because I think if you look at kind of the Greta Thunbergs and you look at the sense of kids who are growing up in an era right now where climate change is really happening, yeah, yeah. where I think their sense of the 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 blind optimism about the future just being unfurled in front of them and mm-hmm. that they can fulfill any dream that they want to have i think has really shifted in a lot of ways yeah that makes um, sense in our in our culture you know so i think that there is there's a reality to that too which is to say you also get the opportunity to influence the future we're going to have. Right, right. Right. So instead of it's just as there for you and whatever you want, it's all just the yellow brick, brick road yeah. and everything's paved with gold. It's also all of our choices in our day-to-day lives, every single one of us, no matter how old we are, mm-hmm. it's they're so significant in shaping not just the experience that we have, but the world that we're unfolding for yeah. each other yeah. and for ourselves. So It's really interesting too, because when you have this gratefulness, um, even when you have disappointment or things don't work out the way you planned or or you're hurt in some way, you know, somebody breaks up with you or or a friendship ends or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I don't know when I became aware of this, but if those things don't happen, you don't realize how wonderful they are when they do. And so it's almost like you have to be grateful for disappointment and for broken hearts because mm-hmm. otherwise, how how would you know what love is? How would you know what mm. success is, Right. And joy, you know, and all of those things yeah. too that, um, you know, I think one of the things that's, uh, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a mm-hmm. Zen, he's a teacher, mm-hmm. um, and he has said, you know, we are so concerned when we have a toothache. And so the suffering, the pain of a toothache, and but we forget to be grateful when the toothache isn't there. Right. And so we take for granted the moments in the absence of suffering. And and yet when we're in something that's difficult, we're so fixated on that difficulty and that something's gone away that we want to have be there. But when that thing comes back again, this is one of my big um, revelations in life. When that comes back again, how do we maintain the perspective to keep a sustained appreciation? Yeah. For the fact of what is there now that's absent, the thing that we were begrudging was saying so awful, we lose perspective. So to me, one of the keys about gratefulness is actually how do we maintain perspective in our lives about how much there is to be grateful for? And that's different than gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. So gratitude is a much more transactional moment-to-moment experience. And oh, that makes me, you know, Mm -hmm. that brings me gratitude and that doesn't. Sure. Gratefulness is, I think, really much more about how do you hold the container of your life. Mm -hmm. 
and keep that under that underpinning all the time of, wow, I am really fortunate. Let me look at the ways in which I'm fortunate. How can I reframe this? You know, um, I yeah. think sometimes in organized religion, when there are rituals or prayers before something, it it's there to sort of yes. guide us to to say, wow, we have food on the table, or this moment is different from the one before it, and so we're going to mark it. Um, I think sometimes we run the risk of being rote. And so, oh, I've said this prayer, you know, thousands of times, it, I don't think about it anymore. Um, you know, it brings to mind, there's a prayer in Judaism that I don't say every day, but that I sometimes will say, it's the Moda Ani. And it's um, it's a prayer that you're supposed to say right when you wake up in the morning. And mm. it's just about, you know, thank you for giving me another day. You know, you you, you brought me back to life from, from sleep and it's, you know, just sort of being grateful for it. And, you know, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'll grab my phone and I'll go start looking at everything. And then other days I'll just open my eyes and I'll just, the, the words will just come to me. It's like a, a quick sentence in Hebrew, but... Um, I have a better day when I do that because it's like, oh yeah, I got a new day. This is this is a fresh start. It's as if it's the only day. You know what I mean? That is the per, it's the perfect practice, and and I like to say that gratefulness is it's what happens before anything else happens. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you wake your eyes up in the morning and you you come to consciousness, it's not that we need to have gratitude for something that has already happened. It's mm-hmm. it's I am here. I get this gift. Oh my gosh, here exactly as you're saying. And I love that that there's a prayer in Judaism mm-hmm. to address that because it seems to me it's lockstep 180 degrees away from what most people think brings about gratitude. Right. right which right. would be, oh, I got exactly the thing I wanted and my life delivered exactly the, you know. And so we start to really compare our moments of, geez, I had such a grateful day yesterday and today life didn't really give me the stuff that I needed to feel grateful. Right, right. Whereas you realize it's an inside job. Yeah. Really, it's something that you arrive to life with. Yeah. Is that much bigger picture, much deeper wellspring of what does it mean to be grateful for life? Yeah. And I just, I mean, like I said, I don't say it every day and I think that's okay too, because then when I do, it's that much more reverent. And again, you run the risk of being rote. Like I'm just going to rattle off this prayer and I don't think about what the words are anymore, but, but making the choice to say, I'm recognizing this and, you know, being in that moment, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I think we can use more of those rituals in our lives where we actually pause. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that um, the practices that we love to talk about here is stop, look, go, which Brother David basically says, you know, you stop before you cross the street, you look mm-hmm. and you go. Mm-hmm. And it's just that being reflective, coming into awareness, full mm-hmm. awareness before you do anything. Right. Um, and I say you stop for presence. Mm-hmm. So you become present. If you become present, everything is going to be more meaningful. Yes. Absolutely unequivocally. Yeah. And then what I look for is I look for perspective. In that moment, what's the opportunity beckoning me to be more aware? What awareness is awaiting me? And then you go, you go for possibility. You you embrace possibility. And your sense of possibility is much enhanced every time you're present and every time you have perspective. Mm-hmm. What you can imagine is possible is hugely more vast Yeah. Um, from that space and when you're just going through the motions of your day. I think that awareness piece is so important. I, um, It's funny, I'll tell you a little story because I want to ask you about the Soul of Money Institute and this whole sure. concept of 
our relationship with money and the cu- the culture of sufficiency and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But um, so recently, I I was um, I noticed that a favorite favorite musician of mine was coming in concert, and it was like two days later that the concert was going to be here. And I said, "Oh, we should go." And I didn't think about what else do we have that weekend. And you know, we had the money, and so I bought the tickets like right away. And then, of course, the weekend came, and um, we had such a full weekend, which I would have known if I had stopped to be aware and thought about, you know, is this is this right? Like, I do want to hear this musician, but, um, do I have the bandwidth to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, of course I didn't go. And so I bought these two tickets and, and then I ended up not going because I was exhausted. And I thought if I had given it space and thought about it and been a little more aware of the context for 12 hours overnight, you know, Mm -hmm. I might not have made that purchase. And even though I like the musician, I wouldn't have created that sort of impulsiveness. And so, um, you know, we're coming up to the consumer season and mm-hmm. Black Friday and all of those things. And I wanted to ask you in that context of awareness um, and sufficiency, you know, tell me about the Soul of Money Institute and how this factors into the gratitude conversation. Mm. Oh, thank you. It's a great question. I love being asked great questions and you're really good <laughs> at that. So that's very wonderful. Oh, thanks. So, so the Soul of Money Institute um, with Lynn Twist, she's she's a wonderful friend of Brother David and of our work. And obviously gratefulness and a sense of sufficiency really tie together, mm-hmm. right? The more grateful that you are, if you're, as you say, if you experience that sense of being grateful for the glass itself, mm-hmm. it's so much, it's, you're so much less tied, your, your well-being and your happiness is much less tied to what's in it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think one of the things that, I like to talk about and that we obviously I spoke about when I was working with Lynn and and they're they're absolutely intertwined. They're inextricable from each other. That mm-hmm. sense of sufficiency and the sense of gratefulness. Mm-hmm. And so um Brother David has a quote which is uh it's not happiness that makes us grateful, it's gratefulness that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. So it's not happiness. If you have all the things in the world that you think are supposed to make you happy, but you're not grateful for them. Right you're not going to really be a happy person. Sure, um, sure. But if you're grateful for what you have, it's really easy to be happy. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it really comes along with that. And so we approach it kind of through the back door, kind of backwards, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. in so many ways, which is, if I just have this thing, if I have another experience, you know, I don't know about those music tickets, but, you know, um, <laughs> it's really easy to be impulsive. It's yeah. really easy. That's just so, and it's so encouraged in our culture and we get so excited about things. And But I do think that mindfulness and introducing mindfulness into all of the ways in which we encounter our wants and our longings mm-hmm. is really powerful intervention. Yeah, So just to say, like you're saying, if I had given it 12 hours, even if I give it one minute, it can be so powerful. And there's all these, I love all these quotes, which is, um, I'd rather have, Albert Hubbard says something like, I would rather have um, appreciation for the things I cannot have than not have appreciation for the things I have. Mm. Right. I'd rather be able to appreciate things that other people have and other experiences that are beyond my reach. I'd rather appreciate those just vicariously than to have things that I can't fully appreciate. And if I think about my own life and so many of us think about our own lives in this developed world that Mm -hmm. we live in and the culture that we live in. Yeah. We often have so much more than we can actively appreciate Mm -hmm. in any given day, month, year, 
we can't actively appreciate what we have. You're right. You're absolutely it's right. So we're so festooned with opportunities mm-hmm. to to appreciate what we have. And we we don't even really know very well how to live into that. And so one of the things that I think is a great way to have a countervailing force against mm-hmm. consumption and against all of that longing and acquisition mentality and everything mm-hmm. is to say, how can I appreciate more what I currently have? Mm-hmm. And then out of that, if I can go fully into gratitude for what's here, mm-hmm. then I will see what wants to be, what more do I need from that place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from really appreciating the life that I have really fully yeah. and the privileges that I have, the opportunities I have, the the great fortune that I have. Mm-hmm. And so that is where those moments like pausing before a meal, pausing, even pausing before you, you think you're going to buy something and just really think, is this really going to deliver me greater well-being and happiness? Is this right. the source of joy for me? Right. Or is there a greater source of joy that has to do with really living more fully into what I already have yeah. and what I already and what I already am? Yeah. Because all of those messengers are going into the place of we're not enough. It's not just that we don't have enough, it's that we're trying to feel more like we are enough for each other and enough for ourselves in the world right? by right. having more things. Absolutely. That's a beautiful way to put it. Um, it's, it's, it's something to think about as we, you know, enter into the season, which comes every year. And it, it's fascinating, <laughs> you know, this concept of gratitude, I hope, um, you know, I always think of Thanksgiving in the month of November as a, a season of gratitude and, and, and gratefulness and coming together to appreciate the good fortune we have. Um, but you know, it's interesting in, in the research, it was fascinating to learn that having the sense of gratefulness can have positive physical effects like better oh, yeah. sleep, improved health, you know, higher self-esteem, better relationships. How, how does this happen? <laughs> well, if you, if you like all of these positive, you know, they, there are all these kind of positive psychology, um, meters that they have now, you know, where they can go out and they can measure all kinds of things when you, when you feel this way versus another way. Um, yeah. One of the things we know about gratitude is it makes people feel the more gra- the more grateful you are, the more generous you're likely to feel. Okay. The more grateful you feel, the better actually your immune response is. So they can measure things like white cell count. Hmm. Um, heart hmm. health tends to improve even just, you know, as you know, mindfulness, so that we know from mindfulness, yeah. all of these incredible studies that have been done now that have established how powerful it is for the body. Yeah. And, and, if you feel that sense of um, appreciation and reverence and good fortune and blessedness in any way, just I am so thankful for mm-hmm. what is mine in my life. And I have so much of what it is that I need that I actually can then experience that sense of wanting to share. Yeah. It, that comes from a sense of fullness, mm-hmm. the great fullness we call. So the great fullness of life. Mm, love that. Leads to leads to great fullness of heart. Yeah. Great fullness of action, great fullness of how we share. Huh. And so I think I really think it's Yes, it's a it's an indicator of well-being the more grateful that we are and the more thankfulness that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's a really wonderful thing in in our psychology and in our physiology. But as you say, you have a better day. And one of the reasons why I think we have better days is that we're kinder, mm-hmm. more more generous, we're more appreciative of the people in our lives when yeah. we feel grateful. Yeah. And that is so reinforcing. Yeah. 
That's yeah. what's the feedback loop. It's not just, oh, I feel happy. Right. But when we're grateful, we tend to that tends to spill over into our relationships, how we treat other people. We're more patient, For sure. we're more loving, all those things. So altruistic. And we can track those behaviors to an increase in gratitude. It's really interesting because I know when people are are, are nasty or unkind, it's usually because they're unhappy in themselves. And mm. so, you know, if you can think about that and just even be kinder to that kind of person, um, maybe it dispels the displeasure, you know, and, and just shows there's there's a human connection in the world. That's um, a powerful practice. Yeah, yeah. That's a very powerful practice. Well, um, as we con- conclude our interview, I wanted to ask you, you know, we focus on how people make meaning and find purpose on this show. And um, I wonder if you might offer our listeners some advice on how they can cultivate gratefulness, um, mm. you know, just a little easy step to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, there's so many. I'm trying to think what occurs to me and um, a couple things occur to me. One is um, there's a practice that we love to encourage people. It's called from obligation to opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, if you were, t- every time that you have that inclination to say that you have to do something, mm-hmm. to switch the language to I get to do it. Oh, nice. And then it shifts it immediately from that sense of responsibility, oh, drudgery, whatever, to uh, privilege. And the privilege is also because I, and I often add, or I encourage people to add, I get to do it because I can. Yeah, yeah. And it, what that what that helps remind us of in that moment is we're not always able to do everything and we won't always be able. So it takes us out of that impulsiveness of the moment and mm-hmm. that sense of omnipotence in the moment yeah. into that larger thing. And not everybody else can also do it. So right. how do I regard this as a privilege to be able to do something like, I have to go take something to my neighbor. I have to go take care of this person. I have to go to this appointment because I can, because I have the privilege of being able to do it. That's one thing. And I think that's a very powerful reframe. Absolutely. Yeah. And And another thing is to really, truly take every single day, multiple times a day if you can, to express appreciation for people who have made a difference in your life. Yeah. And in around Thanksgiving, around the holidays, whatever it is, it's a powerful practice just to say, you know what? I'm going to take a week, 21 days as a major habit change. I want to think of the people who are the 21 people who have made a huge difference in my life in any way. People who've made Mm. me feel good on days I could, people who've helped give me a hand up in life. And how can I let them know that? And if it means a teeny note, a phone call, Mm. um, a card, uh, whatever, an email, the positive ripple effect of that, of letting people know that they make a difference to you yeah. in a way that isn't just about you've done this thing for me, yeah. but here's how who you are has impacted me in my life. That's lovely. That's a very powerful message because it's not conditional on anything. And it's a very profound way to go through, I think, this, especially this season coming up. So yeah. I would encourage everybody to really take every moment and every opportunity you can to let your love shine and your kindness and your big heart shine through to other people. And that's the way we're going to make the world a better place. Oh, I love it. Well, that's a perfect note to end on. Christy Nelson, thank you so mm-hmm. much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. I am so honored and delighted. And this has been really meaningful to me, Lynn. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. 
It was so great to talk with Christy Nelson about the business of gratitude, how we build a perpetual sense of gratefulness, whether it's today, as we approach Thanksgiving, or it's just any time of the year. My next interview is with a favorite friend of mine whom I had the pleasure of meeting through my work, Nadal Alhayek. He came here as a refugee from Syria. He went through a lot of challenge on his journey to freedom and to American citizenship. And the best thing he can say when asked if he celebrates Thanksgiving is, of course I do. I'm an American. And it's just that sense of being present, being here, and looking at what we have that brings us to this season of gratitude. So let's hear from Nadal. I first met Nadal Alhayek when he came to America with his family as refugees from Syria. As the PR consultant for Samaritas, Michigan's largest refugee resettlement agency, I set out to learn Nadal's story and share it with others as a way of shining the light on the refugee resettlement experience. We worked together on some pretty big stories. One landed in U.S. News and World Report and another in Rolling Stone magazine. But along the way, I got to know Nadal and his wife and children and came to admire their kindness, their strength, and their passion for embracing the moment and living a life of meaning. I am so honored to welcome my friend Nadal today to the Make Meaning podcast to share his story of a fresh start on his path of building a meaningful life. Nadal, welcome to the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, thank you. Me too. I'm so happy to be with you today and sharing my story uh, with everybody today. Yeah. I'm so glad you are too. I feel honored to mm-hmm. be able to see you on Facebook and Instagram and stay connected and see all of your successes here. That's thank you. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So let's begin by talking about your journey. Mm-hmm. Um I know that you left Syria and you spent four years mm-hmm. in, um, Jordan yeah, in Jordan before you came to America. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, talk a little bit about, you know, what prompted you to leave Syria? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, uh, I would like to introduce myself. Yes. Uh, my name is Nidal Al-Hayek. I'm from Syria. I come here to the United States as a Syrian refugee with my family for four years ago almost. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful to be here in United States. And we are lucky to be here yeah. also. Uh, I left Syria uh, because uh, maybe everybody knows what's happened in my country. There is war and it's dangerous country. I left Syria in uh, 2012 mm-hmm. to Jordan. Mm-hmm. I lived there four years almost before I came here to United States. Uh, it was hard for me and my family because Jordan is a small country and uh, uh, like uh, there's no job, no, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's just hard school, no school for, for, for the refugee over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told you I was lucky because I I come here. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> and not everybody gets to. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you have to apply and then wait to be accepted, yes, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it's taken a long time. I apply for United Nations, mm-hmm. and uh, when I apply, to be honest, uh, I'm not like uh, uh, I was looking for Europe uh, because oh. I don't have any friend or family here. Yeah. And I don't have any idea about uh, how's the uh, life in United States, how, how, how's the refugee start. Uh, and uh, United Nations choose uh, 
it's not by my choice, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, they choose the uh, United States for me, and uh, they ask me, do you like to go to United States as a Syrian refugee? Uh, it was like a hard step, you know, to sure. because I told you I don't have any idea about right. the life here. Yeah. But thank God we do that and uh, we do this step and we come here. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you've done a remarkable job of building a life here. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know that in Syria, you were a farmer. Mm -hmm. And um, tell me a little bit about what farming was like in Syria, what you did there. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I have a degree of uh, agriculture engineer. I have studied in agriculture engineer mm -hmm. there. And uh, my granddad was a farmer and my dad too. Okay. Like uh, I'm from a uh, uh, family farmer. Yes. So I love that. Uh, what did, what did you yeah. grow? What kind of we crops? We grow most of the tree the fruit tree pomegranate grapes and mm -hmm. uh, beach and there's many and vegetables uh -huh. yeah it was a big farm and we have uh, animals uh, cows and uh, i was so happy there before the war yeah. in syria i would like to to go back to this. Yeah, so I know you would love to farm here. Um, one thing I'd love to ask you to share with our listeners is when you came here, you had work as a, in a job. Mm -hmm. And then since then, you've started your own business. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what kind of work you did when you came here and mm -hmm. now how you started your business. Uh, as you know, like uh, starting new life at any country, not just in the U.S., it's not like uh, that's easy it's sure. it's it's hard yeah with family also and kids uh when we come here like uh, i don't speak english and uh, i don't know how how the system in the united states how's the people do at sure. work. i just start working with uh, tss company okay and it's taken three three years i almost work there but mm -hmm. Uh, even I'm working there, but I like I feel I don't like it. You know, I sure. I like I like to be like a, an entrepreneur. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it's like it's not my favorite job. You know, sure. I work in electric. It's it's big difference between the farm and electric. Yeah, you were so, doing working with electric science. Yeah, yes, yeah? yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I like a. When I was in Jordan, I forgot to say that, like uh, I, I lease a restaurant, a small restaurant there. So I, didn't I know got, that. yeah, That's I got so cool. experience how how to manage the restaurants. restaurants and bakery, all this stuff. I do the Middle East food. Uh -huh. uh, I uh, start working at a small bakery here in Farmington Hills. Okay, I think. Uh, I, I work like uh, five, six months, and then I take this bakery as a lease. I do a lease contract with the, okay. with the owner, uh -huh. and I own that business, and I wow. have my employee. Yeah. So you, you came here four years ago, mm -hmm. and within three years, you were starting your own business. Just amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, if you work hard, you will do whatever you want. 
Yeah. So tell me, um, the bakery, you're there every day or how? Yeah, seven yeah? days, seven days a week. Yeah. And what are you making? What kind of food? All the Syrian food. We make the meat by, cheese by, spinach and uh, sweet. Uh, we make uh, many different kinds. And, and you didn't bring any for us to sample. We, we, we need to come and have a I tasting. Should, yeah, that sounds should, amazing. Yeah, you should. You should come. I will. Yeah, I right. will. What's the name of your business? Uh, it's Orchard Food and Grocery. Okay. Mm -hmm. In Farmington Hills? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Orchard Food and Grocery. Mm -hmm. So um, you said you'd like to farm here. What What is your vision for that? Do you have a plan or an idea of how you'd like to do mm -hmm. that? Uh since I come, no, I don't have any idea to, I think, uh, to own farm here in Michigan, it's not easy. Right. Uh, I start looking, like, uh, meet people, farmer, friends, uh, something like that. Sure. I, I still work on it. But I, like, uh, now I have, a, like, an idea how how to, to do that. But I think I still need some experience or uh, information more sure. information about about uh, how to do farm here in Michigan so and I have every I have every confidence that you will absolutely do it because you're such a doer a go-getter um, and one of the things that always impressed me from the minute I met you um, and still all these years staying in touch is how happy you are you just have a very positive outlook and you've gone through a lot mm -hmm. you know it, it was um, probably very scary to leave Syria. And I know you still have family there, yeah, right? Yeah, my parents. Right, your parents are there, which has to be hard to not be able to bring them or, or see them. Um, but I, I love your attitude. It's just one of, of gratitude and positivity. And I just wonder, how do you do it? How do you stay so positive? <sighs> you know, I have uh, two beautiful kids. So, mm -hmm. uh, like... Uh, I'm not 100% happy, to be honest with you. Uh -huh. There is many reasons to make me sad. But sure. I, like, I try to keep that in my heart. Like, I want to be strong in front of my family, in front of my kids. Yeah. I have to support them. I have to push them out to to be famous people. That's <laughs> what I would like uh, in, in, in the future. Yes. So. Like, uh, have to be strong, man, I think. Right. So. <laughs> well, and I'm also impressed that, you know, you wanted to start a business. That's what you said when you came here. And then you did. Yes. And so many Americans who are born here never do. They, they, they might want to start a business, but may not have what it takes or know how to go about it. Do you have advice for our listeners about, you know, if you have that dream, how mm -hmm. do you make it come true? I think... Uh, this is for my experience here. United States is the best country around the world. It's give you everything, but you have to you have to work and you have to have energy to do to do your your job. Just yes. when you wake up, just believe yourself. Like if you want to do something, yes. you can do it. Just like. Just do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, this episode will air just before Thanksgiving. And I wonder, um, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes, of course. And so how do you celebrate it? We are it? American now. I know, I know. That's what I love about Thanksgiving yeah. is that everybody celebrates, mm -hmm. but in their own way. Yeah. So what? how do you guys celebrate it? You know, like I have a, like a small family here now. I have friends. We are as a family now. Sure. Because... 
Yeah, I have many friends. So in Thanksgiving, uh, my wife, professional cook, you know that. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. I love her coffee. Yeah. Oh, her coffee's yeah. so good. And uh, we do the turkey and uh, <laughs> we cook the turkey and invite a friend or sometime our friends uh, invite us to sure. their home. And we surprise that together. Yeah. No special and, dishes from your bakery or from uh, from home. Uh, the special dish in Thanksgiving, the turkey, because okay. we only do that in the Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's but, true. But uh, the buys, it's every day. It's available every day. Okay. <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, I take some sweets sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Nadal, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about about your journey, about everything you've gone through to come to this moment, and and what you're seeing ahead in the future? I just want to give advice for people who come to the United States, I think, uh, uh, a refugee or, or wherever, yeah. any, any, any person come as a, a new person in the United States. Yeah. United States, I say that it's the best country around the world and the freedom and uh, there's like many reasons to, to be the best. Yeah. Just believe yourself and uh, and do your dream or you just have to put goal and and make get, it happen. Yeah, make it happen. That's wonderful. I'm so inspired by you and I can't wait to come and sample all of your yummy food. You. So we will share with our listeners how they can come and meet you and find delicious food from your bakery and give you some business. Yeah, yeah, I um, would come. But, and yeah. I would say that any listener uh, who listen to us now, if he come to my bakery and told me I, I listen to... Radio, uh-huh. I will give him free food. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That's a really generous offer. But but listeners, you still have to purchase. You need to give business to Nadal. In any case, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning Podcast. It's so nice to see you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you would share our great conversations with your people so we can all add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.